I said it before and I'll say it again. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Hello and welcome to episode 62 of Laps Gamer Radio. Tonight I'm your host Stuart Neal and joining me as always is Mark Hamer. Good evening Mark. Good evening. <laughs> tonight we also have a very special guest. Um, tonight we have Jonas Bayerson from Bedtime Digital Games. Uh, good evening Jonas. Good evening. How are things with you Jonas? Uh, fine, fine. Just uh, relaxing after uh, a long Monday. <laughs> start of the week. <laughs> You were saying just before um, we were recording there that Mondays are always sort of, as you say, the start of the week, so therefore it's a very busy time for yourselves. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm su- supposed to be the man with the plan in the company, so I'm always setting up, you know, what, what are the rest of the team supposed to do for the week? What are some priorities? Have we learned something? And if something's going to be, be planned out, then everything is kind of, you know, settled on Mondays. Uh, mm-hmm. Very good. So I'll do just a sort of a quick introduction um, to you. Um, so just from your website, what have you? So you are part of, you're the CEO um, of Bedtime Digital Games. Um, so you started out as a student production just back in Christmas uh, in 2011. Yeah. Um, so back then you had, didn't have the name or anything and just sort of a large group of students um, that made a game um, that sort of garnered a lot of attention from both local and international press. Um, so take it away from there and sort of give us a little bit more background to yourself. Yeah, uh, li- like you said, it uh, started as a student production. It's actually a very interesting student production because it was part of a, a program called DEDU. Uh, it's kind of a collaboration between universities and art schools in Denmark where, where you get an entire semester and you're thrown into teams uh, with people you normally wouldn't associate with during your education. So like huh. I come from a like very design heavy backgrounds, uh, but then you suddenly got artists and programmers and a few movie people there as well, and you got a semester to make a game. Uh, mm-hmm. And it, it's very interesting in that way, you get a taste of what it is to suddenly be uh, 10, 15 people on a production and have to have a lead team and, and, and start with an idea and develop it and present it to somebody that will actually give you proper professional feedback. Uh, mm-hmm. And that was in the year we made our... Uh, first game called Back to Bed. Uh, that was like a, how should you say it, uh, artistic puzzle game, uh, very much mm-hmm. inspired by artists like Salvatore Dali and MC Escher, uh, where we created this uh, beautiful dreamlike uh, world where you have to guide a sleepwalker back to his bed, uh, where you play as this little character that's just kind of uh, that's trying to protect him uh, mm-hmm. and guide uh, this uh, sleepwalker back to his bed. And it succeeded, like you mentioned, Really well. We got a lot of great feedback from it, both from uh, from our professors, but also press that uh, that looked at the game was really like this is really good, uh, mm-hmm. and it kind of just kept on getting great uh, reception at uh, uh, conventions and game shows around the world because there's a lot of student game shows going around, and then some of the bigger mm-hmm. ones even take in student games, and so that was kind of the the start to it, if you can say it like that. Yeah, no, there, I remember um, back then, and there was a, an awful lot of sort of media coverage. To an extent, I think the media coverage for indie games has grown in a huge amount. Um, but certainly, and, you know, even what that's um, sort of five, six years ago now, 
um, that Back to Bed was definitely one of those sort of little darlings um, of the media um, as games go, and uh, there was an awful lot of talk about it. Um, I think the fact that it just had a lovely art style, but also puzzle games always do really well um, for a lot of people, um, just generally. It's easy for, for, for people to get into, yeah. And So from there then, what did you do after Back to Bed? After Back to Bed, uh, most of us in the in the group kind of kept in contact uh, and then finished off our education. Most of us just had, you know, one semester left. Uh, and then uh, a lot of people from, from the group tried to get into the uh, the game industry. So I started a, a small company back then called uh, uh, Rusty Dice uh, with a few of my friends, some of them who I learned for, uh, from the production of Back to Bed to get to learn. Uh, mm-hmm. And then uh, on the sideline, we still worked on uh, making back to bed better uh, and bigger, kind of like uh, making more content. And we even mm-hmm. did a small Kickstarter for it uh, to get money for having some uh, some place to stay and uh, the programs we needed to finish it. Uh, mm-hmm. So I was like a very garage indie startup for 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 that period uh, some funny stories where we sat in a abandoned warehouse by the harbor and and didn't have really any heat uh, we had electricity and, and internet and that was it <laughs> uh, and and at a certain point all the buildings around our building actually started to get uh, taken down uh, like with uh, 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 you know the big iron balls that smash through buildings and yeah. uh, trucks uh, running down and we were like do they know we sit in here? Do, do they actually know there are people in this building? <laughs> and, and we went outside and asked them, you know, what? And then they were like, oh, you don't have to worry. Like, uh, if we start removing the windows in your building, then you start to panic because then the next step is the iron ball. Uh, so uh, that was some, some, some fun times. But uh, sadly, that company didn't really turn out, even though we had a good idea. We kind of hit that wall where uh, we needed more money. And to get more money, we needed money. To, to build a uh, better prototype, uh, mm-hmm. so so, but but at that point, uh, back to bed had actually gotten a, a lot of really positive attention, and we visited uh, GDC for for the IGF awards, uh, mm-hmm. came in and talked talked with some some very interesting people, and and at that point, uh, uh, investors and and publishers were kind of like starting to look at us and say, hey, are you gonna are you gonna really finish this and make this into uh, to a, a viable product? Uh, and from there, we started discussing with uh, the investor that we eventually ended up with, um, the, a, a Danish game investor called Cap uh, uh, Nova that invested in in a lot of game like uh, uh, Limbo when they started out. They were also a Cap oh, okay. Nova investment, uh, uh-huh. and then kind of after. A, all the talks and all that you go through to get an investment, uh, starting to to build a company, we. Uh, chose uh, the people from from the original student team that were that were willing to go to go in on it, and that kind of also scaled scaled it a bit down. You can't be fifteen people in a startup company, so we started out with with five people instead. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what was one of our ideas was that if they were in for uh, to get back to bed made, they were also in to get the next game made, made. So at that point, we actually already started looking at what would be the next game. Uh, mm-hmm. And and at that point, I already had the ideas for what would eventually become uh, our new game, Figments, uh, that that we are working on finishing right now. Uh, 
but mm-hmm. the, but they were in. They said, "Hey, if you want to go build, uh, make two games, and we might make one investment for that, uh, they would go for that." So uh, that was kind of the the startup to make a, a the professional company where we actually got mm-hmm. uh, some money to live off and and uh, a proper office and uh, and the computers we needed. <laughs> it must have felt nice getting um, enough of investment to actually make it um, to have a proper go at it, um, as opposed to just hoping that. Um, you just would have enough money sort of sitting about and just to keep it going mm. I, I definitely remember it was uh, I was nervous at the last point also because we had to finish all the all the, the deals before Christmas due to how mm-hmm. everything fell uh, out so we had a lot of stress up for Christmas but when it would kind of like sign it and everything uh, uh, fell into place and then after Christmas starting looking at hey where can we get an office and we can actually look at what what computers do we want and stuff like that I remember in the start it was a bit sur- surreal you know uh, mm-hmm. looking at officers and and thinking about uh, yeah what, what can we do and then setting up uh, uh, a company then you got to decide where to put the internal koi pond and where you're going to set up the company <laughs> chef and <laughs> yeah 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 exactly all that stuff uh, what kind of uh, nerdy posters do we want in the meeting room and stuff like that <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, i mean it was it was cool um it was hard because we still had to like save some money so we got uh, uh, some furniture from, from some other places where they were willing to let us have actually some some pretty nice tables we just had to move them ourselves and and our first office was it was very cozy, but it was like in uh, you had to go up a lot of set of set of stairs, and the last one was very narrow and, and steep, and you still had to get these massive tables up there. Uh, <laughs> and and so and I remember that when we put together the first computers, I don't know, we got a bad batch of uh, uh, power supplies for them, so three of them like exploded in our heads. Uh, we had some, uh, so it was just. A lot of uh, fun times uh, were had, but uh, it's still fond memories from, for me, even though uh, <laughs> uh, it was a bit stressful and all that. Uh, I don't regret setting up uh, the company. I think it's a valuable lesson I've learned. <laughs> <laughs> How many are in the team now? Uh, currently, we're uh, closer to 14, 15 people in the company, mm-hmm. uh, and we have more than one team. Uh, like The big team is, is the Figment team. Uh, that that works on, on on our next game that's coming out, and then we have uh, uh, two other smaller teams working on on like uh, other productions, uh, uh, kind of taking the next step uh, and or like the the first step uh, in those productions, like testing out uh, uh, technical solutions and prototyping, um, yeah, fixing up some some technical stuff. Yeah, I'm sure with game development you do need to have maybe a couple of projects um, sort of overlapping with each other just because, you know, as soon as one is finished then really there'd be too much of a lead-in time to the next one actually starting. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it just pays to have them overlapping like that. Yeah, definitely. Within that then, where did chronology fit into the timeline? Uh, chronology was more like a, a, a special thing that kind of fell into our laps. Uh when we moved into our old offices, uh, there were another game company uh, a bit down the down the roads uh, that we knew well, but they sadly uh-huh. went bankrupt uh, just a few months after we started, uh, and they had worked on uh, on chronology and just finished that, uh, and we were lucky enough to get the uh, the game director from that game, uh, uh-huh. who named Nils, who is also like a sound designer. And he really wanted to work with us on our games, uh, so we brought him into our team. Uh, 
and that was really not planned but our investor was like i know nils he's, he's a good guy so if you can get him on the team uh, they, they really wanted that and, and then we kind of looked at the game uh, chronology that they just finished and 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 the investor and the people behind it were like it's really sad that this game uh, just you know sits there and nobody can actually you know push it out there and 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 maintain it and and kind of just have some responsibility for it. So we made uh, an agreement with the the investors and all that 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 instead of it just a solid game languishing in 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 the obscurity, that we should take it. Uh, since Nils was also part of our team now, so he could actually mm-hmm. you know if somebody had uh, questions about it, he would know what the ideas was and it was kind of still his baby. It was his story and and soundtrack and all that for it. Uh, yeah. So and yeah. Like yeah, you you mentioned earlier, it feels like it fits with our other games. It's it does, yeah. yeah. Um, as I said before, when knowing the way we're going to interview you, um, for the show, I got playing both Back to Bed and Chronology, and I'm actually then quite surprised to know that it was technically a different company, um, that was making Chronology, because um, yeah. despite it obviously being a very different game, yeah. Back to Bed obviously being more of a a puzzle game, um, whereas Chronology feels a lot more like a 2D platformer, um, but with sort of a time-twisting mechanic to it. Um, it still feels very, very similar to Back to Bed, um, partly because of the aesthetics and what have you, um, but just generally in the tone, um, it just feels lovely. And again, whenever we're going to Figment, um, which I was able to play at Rez, um, just the the tone and feel of all three games um, is remarkably similar, but they're all very, very different games, um, which is really nice to see. And it's almost then like a hallmark um, for the studio. That sort of, um, just the way they are, um, it's just a really nice thing. You know you know, kind of what you're going to be getting um, yeah. whenever you're buying a bedtime digital game, and that's a really nice thing to have for the studio. It's definitely something that we're, we're, we're thinking on. It was, it, I'm going to be honest and say it's not, it was not like, you know, the initial plan you make when you start up a company, you're always like, where do the first money come from and let's focus on the on the first game but once mm-hmm. you've actually had a, a game company for 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 some years you start thinking about you know thinking several years ahead you know what is her image yeah. what's the next game and stuff like that and 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 definitely the whole uh, unique aesthetics something you can lose yourself in um, mm-hmm. and and the soundscape to also make it stand out is, is definitely something we're aiming for yeah. So moving on to Figment then, which is the game that you're currently working on. Um, it's due out at some stage this year, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, late summer is what we're aiming for. Okay. So tell me more about the game then. Um, how did the sort of the idea for it um, come about, and what's the sort of story um, to do with the game? Um, the the idea is actually a few years old now, since it it, it we had to come up with a, a rough early idea when we did the initial investment into the company. Uh, so I remember uh, me and Klaus, uh, who's like uh, the guy in charge of r- running the business side of the company, sitting in the plane back from, from uh, San Francisco and talking about we want to do mm-hmm. the, uh, another game besides Back to Bed. Uh, and we sat, mm-hmm. we sat there talking about what would be the next step, what would be uh, the next step from, from Back to Bed. And we were like, hey, we just made a game about half, uh, where, uh, in a world where you're half asleep, half awake. And we were like, mm-hmm. how about taking it uh, a step further and, and, and go where dreams are made? So let's go inside the head. So that was kind of mm-hmm. like the first pitch of it. Like, let's try going inside the mind. Uh, and, and then from there, uh, it just became a, a creative journey through a lot of theories about how the subconscious mind work, uh, 
and then we started looking at oh what should be the uh, uh, the enemies or the the uh, the what the thing you're trying to stop in the game and we we went to like hey let's look at fear and nightmares and traumas mm-hmm. and and did a lot of research into that so so uh, a lot of it was kind of like uh, diving into themes first uh, and on a gameplay uh, point um, the only thing we really had was uh, we wanted to make something that was a, still a puzzle game because we could kind of like take what we've learned from back to bed, uh, but we also wanted to create something that had a bit more uh, exploration tied into it, a bit more adventure game. Mm-hmm. Uh, from from back to bed, a lot of people were responding that they liked the the world we created, so they wanted to stay in it even more. They wanted to explore it, so we really took yeah. that. Hey, okay, people want to explore the worlds that we create, so so let's make a game that's actually constantly connected where you have an entire world you're moving through that that it should feel like one big world and not just a string of linear levels mm-hmm. so so that was kind of the first idea yeah your description of the game there actually makes it sound very dark in tone um but one of the things that attracted me to the stand at Reyes was the fact that it's actually very bright and colorful um as a gameplay thing and um as i say even my four-year-old son who actually probably played the game more than i did um at rest just really enjoyed just the look of it it's not necessarily childlike but it has that sort of um appeal to children as well as adults as well yeah we're very much going for the we we call it like the the pixar approach and in in that it's something that uh, adults and children should be able to enjoy both uh and and this just it's just a matter of doing layers and so uh Mature gamers can get uh, more layers out of it because they understand the, the hidden meaning between the things. But but children and, and young gamers can still get a a pretty decent story and a good experience out of it. Mm-hmm. No, it's um, really really nice to play. And um, as we were talking just before the show, there the the art um, in the the game is fantastic. And whenever I was talking to the representative um, of the studio on the stand, um, she was saying that uh, the art department is very fussy about yeah. how the things look, and that they spend an awful lot of time um, sort of going backwards and forwards trying to get everything just right for it and it really does show um in the quality of the game yeah it's good to hear because like they, they did spend a lot of time on it uh, <laughs> the, the cool the cool thing is definitely uh the, the technique we do to build the graphic is is a lot of cheating and 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 treating the screen as a as a uh, like a, a picture instead of just a screen uh, mm-hmm. and we do have some custom texture methods that we we made uh where we can kind of utilize that most of our artists have a, a more analog background. You know, they've done comics and, and oil paintings and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So they can take their experience uh, from over there and, and treat the screen as something like, like more of a, a, of a painting. Uh, but that, mm-hmm. mean, that means you have to set up all the shadows and all the lights yourself and how, how uh, lighting would uh, affect because we, we get nothing from the game engine it can't make the shadows for us it, it, uh, yeah it can't make the light for us everything it has to be painted in uh, and that means it's a it's a painstaking like uh, uh, method of going through everything and, and tweaking everything and sometimes it's it's a lot of small details that make the picture great it's hard to sometimes see when they're just sitting there moving shadows around and, yeah. and doing that talking about sort of the development process in general um, how long has figment then been in production uh, it's hard to say because, like, as an idea, it's almost existed for like three and a half, close to four years. Uh, mm-hmm. Because we have to, I had to think up the the, the the initial idea and and kind of worked on uh, early concepts for level design, 
and story construct and stuff like that and and we had to do early art bible with our original art uh, art director but i would say like real production time uh, uh more like uh, two and a half year maybe a bit more mm-hmm. that's well depending on the games and what have you that you're comparing it to that um doesn't seem too long a time um but i suppose just the amount of work that still goes into it um, on a day-in-day basis. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, it, it is an awful lot of work. Um, what about then, sort of, I suppose, with it coming, getting closer um, within, say, a couple of months um, for release date and what have you, are you all starting to panic a little bit more now or are you generally on schedule? <laughs> uh, it, it's hard to say because there's always unknowns in, 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 yeah. in games unless you're going to do something where you already know all the technical difficulties or you're doing a a, a DLC or something like that uh, to, a, to mm-hmm. a system you already know. Um, for example, we've, we've done massive amounts of uh, voice acting compared to anything we've done before uh, for mm-hmm. this game. And, and it turned out great, uh, but it did take a longer time than we anticipated it would, uh, just because there's the whole... If something doesn't really pan out, you do have to do a, a re-recording, and it, it's yeah. not always something you can do, do just now because you want it. You have to schedule it ahead. So, so I would mm-hmm. say voice acting definitely going to keep doing that, but but it's something that we must accept. Uh, take some time, uh, and then there's always the the big danger uh, when doing puzzle games is that sometimes you build something and you actually test it and you build it, and when when a certain elements get introduced, for example, when graphics are introduced. It might not work work as well as you thought it did, uh, uh-huh. and, it, and it might have worked good in the initial gray box testing where you just tested the, the idea, uh, and sometimes you just got to realize that you have to throw something out that even though you spent uh, a good deal of time on it. Luckily, we are a bit over that point now. Everything is in the game, uh, content-wise. It's just a matter of, of, of uh, final polish uh, oh, okay. and uh, the final voice acting, and then... Uh, and, and just testing the game, making sure that mm-hmm. uh, we get us the box out of it and, and, and make sure it runs well. Yeah. Are you releasing Figment just on PC or is it going to be a multi-platform release? It's, it's going to be a multi-platform, but we're going to start with PC. So, so we're okay. going to get it out on, on, on Steam uh, first uh, and all the PC mm-hmm. platforms. Uh, and then uh, as soon as we can, we want it out on uh, all the major platforms. Mm. Does that include the Switch? We 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 wanna we wanna get it on the switch. Uh, oh yes, <laughs> but, but it's so. But it's 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 still you know there's a lot of uh, unknowns with the switch for yeah, for us yeah. indie developers right now. Mm. Uh, a lot of rumors and a lot of things, and so so until we can actually you know uh, uh, look closer into it, I don't know when and 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 how it's gonna happen. But but mm. we as developers would like to get it on the switch. Yeah. Mm. How much work is there getting it from a PC game um, to a different platform, say the Xbox One um, and the PS4, etc.? Uh, a lot of work is done with, like, we use Unity uh, mm-hmm. for, for our games. That's a lot because it's, it's, it's great for multi-platform, but also because we're yeah. Danish and, and, and Unity was developed by some Danish developers. So, so it's kind of like <laughs> when, 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 you, when you start doing, being taught game development in, uh, in Danish uh, uh, universities and, and, and colleges and stuff like that, it is Unity you're introduced into often. Oh, okay. Uh, but, but Unity does a lot of it. Um, 
uh, and it's become easier and easier, uh, there's always the chance of something not handling safe games in a, in a, uh, mm. the way you thought it would do, and then as uh, often uh, shaders and graphical artifacts that are just, and, and then you just have to have a technical uh, graphical artist that can actually you know rewrite some of the shaders. So, yeah. but but. It's, it's becoming easier and easier, but uh, there's always a lot of unknowns in it. Uh, and, and then there's also the whole PC doesn't really have any requirements into how you set up menus and how you do uh, 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 UI in games. But on consoles, there are more rules for it that you have to go through. So, so, so there's a lot of things that if you're a first-time developer for console, you are gonna get some shocks uh, because, like, they they have some strict rules about how do you show controllers and, and and stuff like that, and it and they have to do that because they're gonna get out to to a lot of uh, you know uh, what you would call non-hardcore consumers. So they, they do have some standards, and I totally understand that. But uh, yeah. and now that we've learned it, since we've been through it with uh, with back to bed. Uh, uh, we know how to do it, but I remember first time going through it, it was a bit, uh, sometimes you know, oh, we thought we, we forgot to think, to think about this and learn something new. Mm-hmm. So what about yourself then as a gamer? Um, I know that a lot of game developers always complain about not necessarily getting a, an awful lot of time to actually play games. <laughs> um, so what about yourself? Do you actually play a lot? And what sort of games do you like playing? Uh, I, I'm going to be honest and say I used to play more. Uh, and it, it, But it also comes in, 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 uh, in bouts. Like in, in periods, I do have a bit more time to play. Uh, and also sometimes I can kind of defend it as maybe doing research. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, there's one thing, like every every Wednesday I play uh, pen and paper with a bunch of my old friends, uh, and that's an important thing that I always try to make, make room for. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's because that's more like a, a thing where I can get away from, from daily life and, and roll some dice and, and, and just uh, joke around with some, some friends. Yeah. Um, most of the time, if we play new games, it's uh, like every Friday we do at a certain point try to find a new indie game for the company that we think is interesting or does something that that might be a, a, a lesson for us. And then we open a few beers and just kind of play the through the game and, and dissect it. What did we learn? What didn't uh, what didn't work for us? And and what would we have done differently? So like mm-hmm. games like uh, Inside and. Uh, little nightmares that just came out a few weeks weeks ago. No, that's that's really interesting to hear. And also the fact um, you had mentioned that as game developers, you have made a point of deliberately taking weekends off unless there's obviously something that really needs to be done. Um, so you see an awful lot of game developers, and possibly worse um, in sort of the bigger games studios, um, where sort of the deadlines and what have you are an awful lot. Um, tighter, um, you know, people sleeping under desks and things like that. But the fact that you um, have made a deliberate effort to try and sort of stop that sort of culture um, within your company, at least, um, is very nice to see. I think you, see, you will actually see more and more uh, experienced companies going that route. Uh, that that is what I hear from from conventions and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the whole uh, uh, mentality of you know. Working until you you faint is is, is not good. Uh, it, yeah. it kind of kills your creativity, and it mm-hmm. uh, it's important that you know you don't work so much one week that it costs into the next week. You know that 
mm-hmm. go home, relax, uh, do stuff. That being said, I, I think when we near re- when we're nearing release, I think we're gonna have some 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 long days. Uh, I, I, I think yeah. that's just how <laughs> how it is, but that's not unique to 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 game development. Uh, no, no, so. not at all. No. no. Um, one thing I've always wondered about. Um, game development because i've heard this being a problem with creative people in other fields especially film directors and uh people working on uh, making records is like at what point do you say okay it's done (laughs) i'm gonna put it out or do you uh, or do you could just constantly think oh i could make i can make a few more changes i can make a few more improvements and it just keeps going on and on um that's it's it's for us, one of the biggest challenges, and it's, it's definitely hitting the nail right on the head onto a problem that kind of destroys a lot of companies. Mm-hmm. I, I know some companies that, that, that uh, really have that, you know, uh, they have a set time for the product and they make it as good as they can within that set time and then they move on and then it's always the next, co- next product. But also, no, uh, if you look mm-hmm. at a company like... Uh, uh, played it that have done limbo and insight they're very like mm. they take all the time in the mm. world to, to do something and it really shows uh, with them uh, mm. um, I think we're kind of uh, closer to them but we're not entirely there uh, I, like I, uh, <laughs> I was on another um, uh, interview where uh, I, was, I was introduced into this concept of you know perfect can actually become the enemy of good uh, mm-hmm. because there's a, mm. there's a point where you just if you keep working on it it actually doesn't become better uh, a, a lot of game designers and, and level designers have this tendency to look uh, and, and graphic artists for that matters as well they look at something and uh, and they keep looking at it because that's their job you know they have to make it good and they forget that the consumer Mm-hmm. Uh, will see this, you know, once and experience this maybe once, maybe twice, comp- depending on what kind of game it is. Uh, mm-hmm. They don't look at, uh, they forget to look at uh, how will the player actually experience this. So, so they kind of start second guessing themselves, and this is not good enough. This is not challenging enough, and then they make the games too hard or too many layers into uh, to a puzzle. Uh, but they forget who. Mm-hmm. who who is actually going to play this and I think it's actually uh, one of the things that I see mostly at, at conventions is right now is that a lot of indie games are actually very tough like uh, and, and they're hard to play I th- mm. and I think that's because a lot of developers have this tendency to uh, be unhappy with their work and, 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 and have a tendency to make games too advanced maybe uh, yeah but, but at the and at the same time, I'm constantly on top of 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 my team. You know, like they ask how much how much energy can we spend on this, and 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 there's the constant battle between uh, 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 people who you know want to do the perfect little corner of the game, and like now it's now it's good enough. There's no hard rule for it, but it's just experience and and asking yourself, will this make it a better experience for the gamer? Mm. I think that's one of the things that I've noticed um, sort of creeping into a lot of games is the, you could almost call it like the Dark Souls effect um, in that they're almost deliberately (laughs) making games difficult where you die an awful lot Mm. purely because it either to try and extend the length of the game 
or um, just to make it more of a challenge and therefore get it sort of a better word of mouth as opposed to maybe looking at the overall experience of the game. Um, You know, for example, as I say, whenever we do Laps Gamer, we always look, um, you know, ideally it's looking at shorter games that are maybe sort of 10 hours or less um, for some people. But if it's a game that is maybe naturally about four hours, but then you're just ramping up the difficulty to make it eight hours, a lot of people will come away from that game feeling very dissatisfied yeah. um, because it was just that little bit harder and they're mm. not getting a really good overall um, game experience. That's the, I guess that's the difference between like um, make, coming up with a, a concept for a game and then making it difficult or making a game from the ground up to be a challenge. Mm. Like, uh, say something like um, Fury is designed to be really mm. fucking hard. Uh but that's the whole point of that game. It's just boss rush. Um, <clears throat> but I've, I've seen a few games that have, uh, a few indie games uh, I've played in the last few years where it's like, this isn't adding anything to the game being this difficult. Yeah, um, it's just frustrating. I see a lot of, uh, one, one thing I, I kind of feel that the, we've seen misused is like survival mechanics in, in that everything kind of becomes a... a uh, uh, oh, you not need you need food, you need warmth, you need everything, uh, and that's kind of a system that a lot of mm-hmm. uh, uh, is added into a lot of games. And you and you uh, and you actually came there for maybe the mood or, or the graphics, mm-hmm. and then you're kind of forced into this whole oh, I gotta scrounge for food and I gotta scrounge for water, and I can't really enjoy the setting because everything is just a system of mm-hmm. uh, gotta find more food, uh, gotta keep moving. So yeah. Yeah, and I guess at that point you're just not enjoying the game anymore. It's just a list of an endless list of chores. But that, it's very much also down to uh, how do you present the game. Uh, be honest in what your game is. Uh, I, I feel a lot of times yeah. you know you go into a game expecting something and you get something totally different. And what you're getting might actually not be bad. But since you were not expecting it, you, you still often walk walk away with a a bad feeling in your mouth, uh, a bad taste in your mouth because like. Mm-hmm. that wasn't what you were there to play but mm. if you were in that mood it might actually have been a good game uh, mm. but, but now the it's it's too late yeah um so uh, just what's next then um after figment we are working on like like i said we've got two two teams uh, uh right now that are like working on something where uh, uh, hopefully we'll start getting to, uh, to be able to show one of them uh, before too long but uh, mm-hmm. I can't really say because like the time plans for them have kind of shifted uh, okay. a bit uh, but like I said there's a lot of work to be done also on, on getting Figment out on, on, on different platforms uh, mm-hmm. and and we're not mm-hmm. just gonna say now the game is finished uh, if, if we encounter something uh, problematic we of course We'll have people on it, so 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 we don't just uh, leave it with a bug that we didn't see uh, initially. Uh, yeah. but, but the whole concept is definitely that that we already have uh, games in in pre-production and uh, and just keep moving uh, team members, experienced team members onto them, uh, and and hopefully in the end. Uh, uh, we'll be able to keep releasing games uh, as it, you know have a unique visual style but also some some cool gameplay uh yeah. the the future games might be a bit different gameplay wise uh mm-hmm. without saying too much because i think i think what we what we figured out is we really enjoy 
making creative worlds uh, with with cool aesthetics, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that that we're only doing puzzle games. Mm-hmm. I, I think that I don't think that's that is specifically what defines us, since Figment also have a lot of you know action elements in it. Uh, yeah. I think that's something we learned about ourselves. Is, is it's uh, what is unique is our ability to create really uh, cool worlds that stick out, and 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 then we might experiment a bit more with uh, with what kind of gameplay do we actually put in those games. Oh, very good. I shall definitely look forward to some. That's kind of oh sorry. Uh, I was going to say that's kind of analogous to like uh, what um, super giant games do. Yeah. Where they have like a very defined like you can recognize by looking at screenshots that it's a super giant game, but. Uh, but they all play very differently. I mean, I haven't played the, no, no, the, I don't think the new ones out yet. Um, no, no, but from what I've heard, Pyre plays very differently to Transistor, which played very differently to Bastion. Um, but they all have a very defined style. Yeah, exactly. And, and so I'm going to be honest and say, when we started out the company, like what Supergiant have done, it, we would like to do something like that. You know, they they definitely did something some good. I, I'm not going to say that we're co- we're going to copy it instantly but they're definitely an inspiration for us uh, because they 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 do have that you know mm. i can see it's the same uh, it's the same team but from what i've seen like pyre for me looks more like a magical sports game than an action rpg so so i'm like hey that's yeah. that's cool because i can still see it's it's a creative world from from a team i i know can do some great stuff mm. yeah and then transistor was almost like a almost like a real yeah, time yeah. like a turn-based combat game in a way um and then bastion was kind of like mm-hmm. a twin stick shooter and very hack and slash uh, yeah. yeah 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 very good right we will move on to what are our usual <laughs> little segments of the show so we will move on to <laughs> the price is just about right is just about right. For anybody listening to the show for the first time and for Jonas's benefit as well, um, this is basically a little part of the show where we discuss what we have bought this week because it has hit the right price point um, for us to sort of delve into it. Jonas, just while you're here, I suppose um, we'll ask, have you purchased anything this week? Mm, no. No. Bought some stuff for... for uh, 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 like some role playing stuff for 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 us. I'm supposed to go to the summer vacation, but uh, no, uh, mm-hmm. no, like computer games or anything actually. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> <Showing> amazing <laughs> <Yes>. restraint. <laughs> uh, for myself, then I, um, well, the games um, from the recent humble monthly bundle um, were um, finally revealed. So it's the first two that came off that were Dirt Rally and Inside. Um, so I've still to get around to playing Inside and Will at some stage. Um, the rest of them were This is the Police and um, The Turing Test and a couple of others as well. It wasn't a bad lineup actually this month. Uh, for everything mm. else then, I got very, very lucky um, about a month or two ago and noticed uh, it was a Saturday or Sunday morning um, I was just about to head out of the house um, but I was just checking Twitter at the time and an offer came up that Vodafone had accidentally priced the Samsung Gear VR headset the new version as well at zero pounds 
So I was very quick to get onto the website and I got myself an order. Um, I had no idea if it was going to go through or not. So a couple of weeks later, I was surprised when I found uh, an email in my inbox from Vodafone that said they would indeed be honouring the price and sending me one out, um, but that they were currently very, very low on stock. And uh, but it would be sent out whenever it was ready. So last week I actually received my Samsung Gear Gear VR headset for free, <laughs> um, which was really really nice of them. And um, such well, just it was free. <laughs> I can't <laughs> complain about that. No, for a an item of hardware that normally goes for about sixty quid. Um, that's really, really good of Vodafone to actually honour those, and uh, I know Andy on the team as well uh, managed to get one at the time. I think yourself, Mark, and Ali had tried getting onto the site later on. Yeah, by the time I got on there, the, the website had ground to a halt and couldn't get anything to load. <laughs> yeah, I think it had crashed. Um, I haven't seen anybody else on Twitter um, as yet saying that they have received them, but I... I assume that at least um, mm. the people who did get their orders in early at least got hopefully one of them. Because um, I think people were ordering yeah. up multiples and things. I was not going to be cheeky. And uh, I just went for the one. So I was very, very happy <laughs> to get that. So far, um, as an experience, it's very, very nice to use as a piece of hardware. Um, mm. I would say the quality of the visuals is just that much better than something like Google Cardboard. Um, purely because it's a nicer bit of hardware. There's mm. better focus and everything on it. Um, as opposed to the sort of the fixed focus uh, focal lens um, that's on the cardboard, there's um, actually sort of a mechanical um, sort of focus where it actually moves the phone backwards and forwards, just so it, um, it looks really, really nice. Mm. And the storefront, um, there's a little bit more, there's more exclusives and things like that. Um, a couple more games were specifically designed for. And then with the uh, the Gear VR um, with Oculus backing now. Um, there's a new controller that's out as well, although it'll probably be a little while um, before I pick that one up because it's 50 quid currently. Um, so yeah, it's a little bit there. Yeah. Um, but so far the experience has yeah. been very, very nice. Um, it's interesting to see mm. though that it doesn't actually run cardboard apps. No. Um, in the same way. Um, so you kind of do have to have the two um headsets if there is different things that you want to do with it. Um, purely yeah. because the cardboard one lets you sort of touch the screen because of the little sensor. Um, or the little sort of cardboard flap. Mm. Um, on that unit. Um, actually does a little touch screen thing. Whereas on the Gear VR, there's buttons and touch pads at the side, so it doesn't operate in quite the same way. Um, so far just mucking around with um any of the freebies and things on the storefront and um, haven't really been necessarily disappointed um, some of them have been just sort of very short um, experiences and things playing notes on um, blindness um, again is is so good um, it's on both cardboard and uh, gear VR and um, it's just such a wonderful experience um, it's so well done and uh, it's a freebie as well um, so it's definitely worth trying if you have um, any sort of VR headset for Android yeah um, one of the other things then that I picked up. Oh, were you going to say something, Mark, about Gear VR? Uh, no, I was just going to say I, I've got the, uh, the the previous generation um, headset, mm -hmm. the, the 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 white um, Gear VR headset. Uh, so I don't know how it compares to the new one, but they are a, is a very nice piece of kit. It's not too heavy, no. even with the phone, and it's not too heavy, so it sits quite comfortably on your face. Um, uh, the only thing I, I've noticed with it is that um, sometimes if uh, it happens more in winter mm -hmm. if you put it on your face and it's been sat on a shelf or something and it's a bit yeah. cold. You have to wait for it to warm up a mm -hmm. bit before the lenses stop 
fucking up constantly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one thing then is on my version, um, it does actually have the center head strap as well as the one that sort of goes around the back of your head. Does yours just have the single strap? Yeah. It it came with the center head strap uh, as like something you could put on if you want. And I I put it on just to hold it a little bit more secure. Yeah, no, I find it it does definitely help. It actually lifts it off my nose a little bit, um, which makes it a little bit easier to breathe as well, which is nice. Mine does it does it doesn't pinch my nose, but um my voice goes a little bit like oh, my nose is being pinched <laughs> yeah. um, when I've when I've got it on. <laughs> but it's it's a nice bit of kit. Um and with the power of Oculus behind it, there's there's some really interesting games on that store. Yep. A uh, decent number of free ones mm-hmm. and um they have regular sales as well, so you can pick up oh, that's uh, good. some of the other ones. I'll have to look out for some, because there was a couple that I was thinking, mm, £8 is maybe just a little bit there, but I'd like to, I wouldn't yeah. mind maybe dropping on them if they're half price, um, so I'll wait and see. To be fair, the, the only one you really need is um, Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes, yeah. because that <laughs> in VR is amazing. Yeah, I definitely want to have a go at that. Jonas, yeah. what sort of experiences have you had with VR so far? Uh, I was... Quite lucky to try it very early on due to all the game conventions and stuff like that. Uh, so, mm-hmm. so uh, tried it up early on. Uh, have kept trying it uh, a few times uh, at, at you know gatherings of game developers where every every time one you know got their hands of uh, on a dev kit or something uh, mm-hmm. they could try. Uh, my last experience was actually very good. I have a friend who's a um, who's a sailor. Uh, so we kind of got uh, maybe a, a bit of disposable income, and and he's also like a, a huge gamer, uh, uh, gamer nerd, and he really spent a lot of money on a new PC, uh, 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 HTC uh, Vive, and mm-hmm. uh, a steering wheel with feedback and a seat and everything. And he was like, "Come play uh, Formula One racing," and I was like, "I'm not into Formula One racing games. Like, like just sit down and and." But all that stuff on the sound, the the feedback in the in the steering wheel and and the chair actually also reacting and everything in like the best thing you can buy on market right now, uh, that was freaking awesome. <laughs> that was <laughs> mind-blowingly cool, and I was really sucked into it. Where uh, the speed and and everything really felt so so. If you go all out, I I am so hooked on that. Uh, mm-hmm. And also all the funny weird games like the the Rick and Morty games and and oh, yes. uh, and, and all that stuff. It it it's nice. Uh, I'm still as a, a a pro game developer a bit on the fence on on how it's gonna mm-hmm. develop since it's still like mm-hmm. a small group of users. But I yeah. think it's an interesting technology, and I'm not writing it off. Uh, I just think that as if 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 you're sitting out there t- thinking I'm gonna make a VR game, just crunch the numbers before you uh, head deep into it. Because I know yeah. somebody already burned their fingers on it, and I think some and a lot of other companies are also going to burn their fingers on it. There is a, a hunger out there for it, though. I mean, Sony, before they ran out of stock and apparently still have managed to get any more stock in shops, um, they sold something like a million um, PlayStation VR headsets. Yeah, yeah. So people are obviously interested in it. Definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Which is which is good. I think it's just that that it's the disparity of the prices. You know, whenever you can get a Google Cardboard for five mm-hmm. or ten pounds, then you're maybe moving up into the Gear VR at sort of yeah. sixty and what have you, and even the Daydream uh, as well for the Pixel phones. It's in around that sort of price as well. Daydreams. Um, 
Uh, Daydream works with any Google phone, as far as um, or any Android phone, as far as I'm aware. Uh, and I think I think it's a bit cheaper than Gear VR as well. It could be. I don't think it is any um, Android phone, or at least unless it's sort of a newer version yeah. of Android. Yeah. Um, because I know it doesn't work with the Samsung and what have you. I think Ooh. it is. Um, at the minute, it was just the Pixel. So I think there is a little bit of compatibility issue there. Yeah. It's. I've saw one in uh, CEX last week, and it's a it's a nice looking bit of kit. Yeah. Hmm. It is, yeah. But then from there, you're then moving up into the PSVR, which is £350, and then you're moving on to the Oculus Rift and the HTC Vive, and you're looking at sort of, you know, closer to £500 and what have you for them. Well, um, if you want to get all the kit for PSVR, it's £350 for the headset, another 30 to 50 quid for the camera, and then however much a a pair of Move Mm -hmm. controllers costs, and then games on top of that. Yeah, yeah. So even at that point, it's yeah. not affordable. And, and um, you, you need, you, I think the the the, the Vive and, and all that. Again, like it proved that you need the you need the controllers. Like all the great games have uh, the the use the controllers uh, if you want to go for the big ones at least. If you really want the, that's my experience. The really interactive uh, uh, experience with it, you gotta have the controllers so you can actually pick up stuff in in mm. in the room you're in. But uh, and also, like, if you go for the, the the bigger ones, if you go for the Oculus or something, you've got to look at what kind of rig do you have right now? Can you actually run it satisfying? Yeah. Um, or do you have to go out and invest in a, in a new graphic card? And then mm. what else to make sure that you got enough power for and it? Enough and enough room. And so on and so on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's the other thing. There's a, yeah, there's a lot of barriers in the yeah, way so. to the the average gamer being able to experience it. Yeah, but, uh, it's just some of the games on there just look so fun. Like, uh, like I, I watched the Let's Play recently of that Rick and Morty game that looks really good, um, and I still want to play Job Simulator. Mm-hmm. And um, Rec Room looks quite fun, and yeah, it's yeah. just, yeah. <laughs> it's just, just can't afford it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my other two little purchases were the fact that Amazon were having an extra 20% off their warehouse deals um, for Prime members. So I picked up a Peach Amiibo, which had a basically a slightly bent cardboard <laughs> backing on the box um, for £6, which was an absolute bargain. And I also picked up then a little Android Bluetooth controller um, for 7 um, which is actually really nice. It's like a little extender one. Um, that can take up to like a 10 inch tablet and um, you can actually plug it into your PC and it picks it up as a um, sort of an X input um, controller as well and works really nicely on that so for £7 um, that was quite nice what about yourself, Mark? What did you pick up? Um, I didn't pick up... Uh, well, one, only one of the games I bought was, like, at the right price. Uh, I just had a bit of a splurge. Um, <laughs> so I spent uh, about £135 on three games. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, the total value was closer to 150 but... Uh, bought my PSN credit through CD keys again, so I got a little bit of a discount on there. Mm. Uh, but I pre-ordered uh, Destiny 2 Digital Deluxe Spinky Spanky Special Edition um, with some digital mm-hmm. gump, but more importantly, the season pass. So I'll get the uh, mm. the expansions for that um, because I'm, just, I'm about ready to jump back into Destiny. I can feel it in my bones. Um, <laughs> I also picked up uh, near Automata because I've wanted to pick that up for a while and the price wasn't dropping and I just thought, ah, oh, screw it, I'll just pull the trigger and get it. Yeah. Um, I've only played a couple of hours that, so I'm not ready to talk about it uh, quite yet, but I'm really glad I picked that up. It's pretty special. 
I love the way on Twitter, um, mm-hmm. I think it's Kate Gray, um, one of the journalists for Red Bull and The Guardian and what have you, uh, refers to it as near a tomato. That <laughs> 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 just makes me laugh. <laughs> uh, it's a, it's definitely also on my list of games that, that yeah. I need to squeeze in at some point. It's uh, more yeah. than I expected it to be. Uh, as in, it's like if yeah. you play the demo, it just plays, you just think, oh, it's going to be another one of those Platinum games, which is great. Don't get me wrong. Um, but there's a lot more to it than that. Um, but I'll talk about that in uh, a week yeah, or so yeah. when I played a bit more. Um, and then finally, mm-hmm. I, um, if you cast your mind back to last May, um, when Overwatch came out and how much I spent quite a lot of time talking about how Overwatch was amazing <laughs> and Battleborn wasn't great. No, I can't I can't remember even you barely <laughs> mentioning it, to be honest. Uh, yeah, for really? weeks and weeks on Overwatch? end. Overwatch? Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, so I finally bought the game that Overwatch buried. Uh, I bought Battleborn. Um, yeah. It was like £5 odd at the mm. PSN sale. Um but I felt so sorry for it, I plumped up the extra £2 to get the digital <laughs> deluxe version of that. Um, <laughs> um, you just can't help yourself with digital deluxe versions. Yeah, well, you know, it's it, it, like uh, this, when the game first came out, it was like full price with like a £30 season pass. Yeah, Now it it's ridiculous. £5 uh, and the season pass in for an extra £2. So <laughs> I thought, oh, uh, I don't want to see any more uh, gifts of Randy Pitchford looking sad. So... Yeah. Um, I'll pick it up. There's rumours of it maybe going free-to-play? There Um, were rumours a while ago, uh, and then Randy Pitchford shot them down very quickly. And no idea what's going on with it now. But um, yeah, I'll I'll talk a little bit about that when we come and talk what we've been playing. But uh, yeah, I spent quite a bit of money. (laughs) (laughs) It's nice to have it, I suppose. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll go on to recently played. Um, I'll actually whip through mine very, very quickly. Um, I have been spending, I've not a huge amount of time for gaming, uh, so I've been playing a little bit, um, just nothing in particular on Android. Um, one interesting game that I've been playing was A Night Sky um, by Coatsync um, on the Gear VR. It's more of an experience. Um, but you basically look up at a night sky and sort of join stars together and it um, creates like a little um, image which then turns into like a 3D um, animal or creature or something that sort of flies around you um, in this little um, sort of centre of the desert setting or what have you. Really, really nice. Um, but it looks at things, they are still working on some extra content and what have you for that. Um, so it'll be really good to see um, whenever that comes out. Um, so just as a freebie, very, very good. Hmm. Uh, the other two games that I've been playing then is I've went back to playing some games on the Wii um, now that I've uh, sort of got one uh, got my wife's um, Wii back from my uncle's because they just weren't using it um, I was set it up for um, Love Film basically for them but they then got a smart TV and I've been using that um, so on the Wii I have been playing Batman the Brave and the Bold and Muramasa the Demon Blade um, Batman the Brave and the Bold is a yeah, it's a fairly functional um, 2D sort of platformer beat em up mm. it's good fun it's only about sort of 4 hours long and maybe about an hour or so into it um, it's good it looks just like a cartoon and uh, it plays quite nicely I really wish it was one of those games that actually worked with the um, Wii Pro Controller as opposed to the nunchuck and uh, just Wiimote. Um, just, oh, yeah, it, yeah. it would be a nicer experience, um, just because it's that style of game. But that's a minor criticism in reality. 
And then Miramasa the Demon Blade is a game by uh, it's Rising Star Games. Um, then obviously there was a sort of semi-sequel, prequel, um, Muramasa Rebirth that came out on the PS Vita. Again, just a, a lovely little sort of 2D um, platformer side-scrolling beat-em-up um, where you but an interesting mechanic in that you actually get to craft different swords and um, there's a whole sort of weapon tree um, within it. So if you start crafting a particular sword, then that obviously stops you um, from building up um, any of the swords further on down the tree on another branch and what have you. Um, I jokingly um, tweeted about um, playing it, so I did, and asked if Rising Star games um, were potentially working on either a PC port um, or even a remaster of it for the sort of current generation. They jokingly said we agree that it would be nice to see so whether or not something like that comes out it'd be lovely to see considering it is um that mirror master demon blade was a Wii exclusive and then uh rebirth then was just a vita exclusive it would be surprising if that didn't come out at some stage um on another platform and maybe got a little bit more love it's one of those games on the way that i think an awful lot of people overlooked um, purely because they saw the Wii as more of a casual gamer's PC, um, but that's definitely one on the list of, no, this is a serious hardcore game, and uh, it's a proper game on the Wii um, that just a lot of people um, probably did miss um, at the time. Um, very, very good, worth picking up, probably not that dear at the minute, and certainly picking up a Wii isn't that expensive either. No. Um, considering I was in CEX there uh, on Saturday, and they had a Saturn, Sega Saturn in the window with one controller, and it was £90. Um, getting games on that as well is particularly expensive, whereas you could probably get a Wii and an awful lot of the good games on the back catalogue um, for probably in around £100 in total now, and uh, get an awful lot of game time out of it. Um, it's worth seeking out. For my lapsed gamer recommendation, I would probably say if you've got a Gear VR, um, have a quick go at a night sky, um, just because it's a lovely experience. And Muramasa is definitely worth picking up if you have the hardware to play it on, um, again with the Gear VR as well. It's mm. not something that everybody has hardware-wise, um, but very, very good games. Mm. Jonas, what have you been playing? Um... Uh, not as much as I would like to. Uh, one of the things that I constantly, fi- yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the games that I've s- somehow constantly goes back to right now is actually uh, the the newest version of Pokemon on my my Game Boy. Uh, just because of the practicality of of a Game Boy that I can take it with me anywhere. Um, I can play outside. There's been very very good weather the last week uh, here in Denmark. So actually getting to sit outside. Uh, and enjoy it while still playing a game uh, was nice. I was just going to say, you can definitely tell the age of a person whenever they refer to it as Game Boy. So, and I think that the newest version of, of, of the Pokemon game is it's really a, a big step forward. I don't know if you've, you've tried previous iterations and, and until this iteration, and it's, it's really like, it's not a totally different game because it's mm-hmm. still the core, same core gameplay, but just the... Uh, the step up in 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 graphics and and level design, everything was, was really impressive. I, I'm impressed what they got out of the Game Boy from a pure technical standpoint. Uh, I think it works very well. Mm-hmm. Um, I've ever had a huge back catalog of games. That's why I don't buy that much anymore because I have a lot of games that I they still <laughs> need to play. Uh, like I still think I I need to play 
more Witcher, I need to play more Fallout. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's really the kind of games that I enjoy, where I can ex- just explore and do everything at my own pace. Mm-hmm. So I've tried to squeeze in a bit of that. Uh, haven't had that much time for it. Mm-hmm. Um, played up a, a, a funny game. Normally, I wouldn't recommend. Uh, uh, early access because I know people kind of need to stay wary of it because it, it, it can't bite you in the ass but I played a game called uh, uh, Pit People by, mm-hmm. by the Behemoths the guys that made uh, Castle Crashers and, and stuff like that uh, that was actually pretty fun uh, I had some, some good evenings with one of my old friends uh, playing that game two player it's like a weird uh, uh, cartoonish uh, mad world that kind of feels like you're playing a turn-based game in, in almost an adventure uh, time-esque world just mm-hmm. a, a bit more mature on the jokes uh, okay. and everything is, is like an innuendo for something else uh, <laughs> and, and, and you can't really expect because you, for some you have a quest where you have to find help the fire village and you come to the fire village and there's an iceberg next to them with a penguin on it, and the penguin hates that the fire village is smelling its iceberg, so it called the fire department. <laughs> uh, and the fire department are like, the, and yeah, you have, hey, do, do we help the, the, fi- the firemen or what? Uh, no, because we're actually here to save the fire village, and in the fire village, everything must be on fire, uh, <laughs> so you have to stop the firefighters instead. And all the weapons in the games are just like silly things like uh, uh, pots and pans and shield, uh, shields, uh, giant cacti uh, uh, rubber hammers and everything uh, it, it's just weird and if you played any of the other uh, behemoth games uh, battle block theater and stuff like that you know the humor mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and it's it's really clever game uh, hope that'll look forward to when it it's out of early access as well because I think it still needed something a bit more but uh, definitely some some good stuff there mm-hmm. how do you feel generally about early access um, as a games conceit I think I think if used on the right games and the right way, it's a powerful tool and something I I, I really support. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if done wrong and on the wrong games, <laughs> uh, I abhor it and think it should be destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I think some games really have done it well, also because they learned some, from it. Like uh, there's no denying that a game like Darkest Dungeon made a huge success out of early access. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe had a bit of a problem when they finally released that. Uh, that they didn't have enough media coverage then, but mm-hmm. uh, I think done right, early, early access is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's also a, a darker side to it that, that people are starting to see now. Uh, they saw it a bit, I know, in uh, uh, with uh, Darkest Dungeon, where they had chosen a mechanic to change. The whole corpse mechanic they introduced into the game was something that a lot of early, early access testers hated, but the developers still felt was made for a better game. Mm-hmm. So, But in the end, they had to make like that's an optional rule, oh, okay. uh, and I, I remember the. I think it was the uh, Ark Survival Evolved uh, uh, guy that was out <laughs> talking that they had a big problem in that the fans were so rapid that they couldn't actually finish the game because if they said okay we're going to finish the game we have to make a proper menu system and 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 fi- fix a lot of bugs and do general QA, but if we do that we can't make any updates. Mm-hmm. And the fans are just like, um, then just keep it in early access forever because we would rather want updates than you actually finish the game. <laughs> but I'd say that I've got a particular problem with, with Ark because um, there's one thing saying, okay, we'll hold off on um, finishing the game for the moment so we can do a few updates. Uh, and it's another thing, not finishing the game, but selling 
additional content yeah, and yeah. then porting the game to other platforms. Mm-hmm. Like it's out on uh, PS4 and I think Xbox One as well already. Um, yeah, yeah. And they did that instead of finishing the game on PC first. And they're selling, you know, um, expansion packs for it and things like that. But they haven't actually. It's still, it's still in development technically. Um, but that kind of also it just builds on the problem that mm. you know what what do the what are the consumers supposed to uh, expect from an early access game? Nobody knows because some people go into an early access game and ex- expect a finished game. Other people expect what we would usually call a beta, and other people they don't know what to expect. So, so it's kind of like uh, the word has been devalued. Mm. Nobody really knows what early access means anymore. Uh, and and one game in early access can be a totally different beast to another game. Mm. Mm. Was Minecraft the first game to really do this? Because that was it, that game was out and about and a phenomenon for a good number of years before they actually finished it. <laughs> mm. I'm, I'm leaning towards yes, but I, there might have been another game doing it before, but mm. I think maybe Minecraft was the first big success yeah. doing it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's probably more accurate, yeah. What else have you been playing then, Jonas? Uh, uh, a lot of small indie games when every Friday we played the, played the, the, the Little Nightmares, we played Inside, uh, all that stuff, because uh, we enjoyed it. Um, and then I played a little bit of... Uh, What's it called? Heroes of the Storm with some friends. Ah. Because it's 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 good. Go in quick, uh, do some weird stuff with characters we know. Uh, played all the Blizzard games before, so we kind of have you know that. Oh, I know this character. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's uh, it's a good thing to do with uh, some friends. Uh, I like I like that game for for what it is. It's just silly fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, not too serious. Every time I go in to play something like League of Legends or or, or Dota, I kind of you know. Always regret it. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting here you mentioned um, Heroes of the Storm. Um, just in our little group, um, we had been uh, talking about it actually just today. Yeah. Um, the fact that there's a sort of a number of the free heroes and what have you, and I think because they're sort of going up a version, um, yeah, yeah, they're making the tweaks and things. So I think three of us now have it installed or thinking about installing it, um, yeah. but actually haven't got around to playing an awful lot of it. So I think the three of us might um, actually get around to yeah. um, actually giving it a go at some stage. Mm. Yeah, but it, it it's really good. It's good fun because it doesn't require that much uh, in time, but also like you don't have to read up on that much to understand and just be part of the game mm-hmm. uh, if if you're playing at a, a casual level. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I think in, it, it's not like oh, what kind of item need do I need to buy and stuff like that. It's it's a bit easier and then and also like uh, the silly nature of it, you know. Yeah. It, it's it, it just exhumes a bit more uh, casual, relaxed approach to it. Mm-hmm. Mm, very good. Um, sort of from a lapsed gamer perspective, then, sort of for people who don't necessarily have an awful lot of um, sort of concentrated game time, what have you? Um, which of those ones would you recommend? If you don't have a lot of game time, I would say uh, I would have to go with one of the the the, the indie games. Like mm-hmm. I said, the, the, our Friday game, like both, I would say Little Nightmares and Inside are great games. Mm-hmm. I would definitely put Inside above Little Nightmares. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just it's better crafted. Uh, it's hard to say which one had the best puzzles and 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 setting, but I would say Inside feel better crafted. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would actually go as far out and say if you don't have a lot of time you can actually play Heroes of the Storm uh, 
even though it, it looks like a, a time-consuming game, it really isn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that's why I also enjoy it from from all of the MOBAs. It it is in that it doesn't require that much amount of times. If you just got one or two other friends that are online, you know, an evening you can actually do something mm-hmm. within an hour and still have fun. You can okay. you can easily play two games within that period if mm-hmm. if, if you just. Uh, Go for the right uh, levels and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. that's actually, uh, I would say, that's the uh, the uh, time restrained gamers MOBA. If I could call it that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's uh, that's definitely a nice um, thing to hear about that because yeah. you know MOBAs are such a big thing, and but for an awful yeah. lot of people um, who don't have an awful lot of time, we see them as very scary um, to yeah. a degree um, because either they're going to be a massive time sink that we don't have the time for or it's going to take an awful lot of time to actually get into and get used to and what have you um so actually hearing that about heroes of the storm is very very good mm. mark what have you been playing okay um so uh first of all mario kart 8 deluxe on switch uh <laughs> me and kev and ali uh, i think that's it um mm-hmm. all picked it up um last uh last friday mm-hmm. yeah it was last friday yeah um or Friday before last, I guess, at this point. Um, that game is... It's still Mario Kart 8, but uh, with a you know a few little uh, improvements. So if you've played Mario Kart 8 on the Wii U, um, so that's all 10, 15 of you out there, then um, <laughs> who actually had a Wii U, uh, then you know what you're getting into. But but it, they've made a few improvements. Um so do you remember when we used to play online um, with other people and you would see like the best players exploiting uh, the sort of, the, the, they called it the flame jump? Yes. Uh, that's gone completely. Oh, okay. And they just replaced it with a uh, a fourth level of boosts on very long drifts. Um, okay. So that evens out the playing field a little bit on that. Uh, you now have mm. two items, uh, well, you can hold up to two items instead of just the one, um, but mm. you can't switch them like you could in um, Double Dash, which Double is a shame. Yeah. You, you just pick up one, and then if you pick up another one, that's banked. Mm. Uh, and they've added a few new powers uh, and whatnot. But the, the, the main difference, um, aside from like the extra characters and the fact that it contains all of the content from the original game and the, uh, the DLC, the main thing is that they've actually fixed battles. So mm-hmm. uh, on Mario Kart 8 on the Wii U, the battles were just, it was just balloon fight and it was on, um, just on the regular tracks, which yep. are um, not really suited to that sort of game style. Mm-hmm. Um, so this time they've, 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 uh, they brought back the, the, the balloon battle mode, plus some really interesting ones like Shine, like that have been in previous games, like um, Shine Thief, and uh, Bob on Blast and things like that. Um, but they've actually made proper arenas for them. Um, some of them are remixed versions of uh, arenas from the old Mario Kart games, including one from the uh, like the, the default arena from the original Super Mario Kart on the SNES, and then mm. a special one that's designed around um, Splatoon with Splatoon music, which is great. Um <laughs> It's just the definitive version of uh, Mario Kart 8, and it's really nice to be able to play it on a handheld system, so I can mm-hmm. can take it to work and get a few races in on my lunch break. Yeah. Um, but the day before that came out, I made the mistake of downloading the demo for Puyo Puyo Tetris, um, <laughs> and then almost instantly bought Puyo Puyo Tetris for 
35 quid um, <laughs> despite the fact that it's like what 20 pounds if you get it on 20 pound disc, on ps4 it? 20 yeah. pound on disc on ps4 so i spent an extra yeah. i paid a 15 pound switch tax um <laughs> to be able to pay it on that system um te- everyone knows what tetris is puyo puyo is a little bit more of uh, a mystery over here it's very big in japan um but it's sort of like uh, combinations of different coloured blobs will fall from the sky and you have to get them in uh, arrangements of four uh, in any sort of combination four or more to make them pop For those old enough to remember this is Dr. Robotnik's mean bean machine isn't it? Basically yeah Yeah <laughs> um, It's There have been some uh, Puyo Puyo games before it came out here like there was Puyo Puyo Frenzy on I'm pretty sure that was on the GameCube I remember playing that uh, mm-hmm. for hours on end on drunken nights when I was a student uh, with mates. Um, the cool thing about Puyo Puyo Tetris is the fact that it's like um, it's, a base, it's it's set up as a battle. You can play just endless Tetris or endless Puyo Puyo if you want, but um, it's set up as like battles. So you're either playing Tetris against someone who's playing Puyo Puyo or vice versa or Tetris v Tetris or Puyo Puyo v Puyo Puyo. Um and every time you clear a line in Tetris or clear four lines at once, um, you will stack uh, like these little bubbles above the opposition player's board um, mm-hmm. and do it enough times in a quick succession and then it will like drop obstacles on them. So if you're playing Tetris, what will happen is like a few incomplete lines of, te- of um, a few incomplete lines will come up from the bottom, push you closer to the top. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you're playing Puyo Puyo, like just clear blocks will fall from the sky on top of everything you say if you've got a nice chain set up ready to go and then these blocks fall and you're like no you're screwed you can't you can't (laughs) pop them until you clear away the the blocks um yeah it's just really really fun uh i'm not very good at puyo puyo tetris but it's really uh, uh, puyo puyo sorry uh but it's really fun to be able to play tetris competitively if you know what i mean like sort of like a battle um uh situation uh, but then it like changes it up in some really interesting ways. So there's like uh, a, a mode where you're playing Tetris, uh, and then a, a countdown will start, and then it'll flip to a Puyo Puyo board, and you'll play Puyo Puyo <laughs> for a bit, and then it'll switch back to the Tetris board, and then switch back to the Puyo Puyo board, and it'll just keep switching between the two. Uh, and then there's another one where you are playing Tetris and Puyo Puyo on the same board. Like the, the your Tetraminos <laughs> sink to the bottom, and the Puyo Puyos are on top, and so you're playing two games at once on the same board. Um, it's really, really fun. Um, the, 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 like the little characters that you, you pick a character and they have like a, a different, different patterns that, um, Tetraminos or Puyo Puyos will fall. Um, and that they're all quite funny characters. They're all massively over the top silly anime mm. characters but they're quite funny as well uh it's really really good fun uh, as a couch uh, either couch co-op like uh, two people against uh, two ai characters or playing mm. against each other but online it is absolutely brutal um uh, I imagine. <laughs> i've yeah. played ooh, about a dozen games now and i've won two of them uh, <laughs> the rest of them have been crushing defeats because uh, <laughs> there is I don't I don't think there's like a matchmaking system at all it doesn't try and put you against similarly skilled players it just puts you against someone else yeah. um, and it's thrown me up against some uh, Japanese players quite regularly who you know th- they've probably been playing Puyo Puyo for years and they just absolutely destroy <laughs> me um, if if it's a game if, if I get a Tetris board and I'm playing against someone else playing Tetris um 
then I I can hold my own. I'm good at Tetris. I'm just uh, I just cannot <laughs> like uh, I'm not very good at spotting this like setting up the patterns to make chains in Puyo Puyo yet. But I'll get there. But um, it's hopelessly addictive. Like you can sit there and start playing a game. And it's like, oh, I'll just have one more game. Oh, I'll just have one more game. And then hours have gone by and it's three o'clock in the morning and you need to go to bed. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, really liking that game. Um, and then uh, this weekend, I, uh, like I said, I bought Battleborn because I felt sorry for it after all the nasty mm. things I said about it last year. Um, it's not a bad game. Uh, it was unfairly compared to um, Overwatch because it's a hero shooter like Overwatch is, but that's kind of where the comparison ends. Yeah, it's not really the same game. Yeah. Um, I've seen a couple of streams, what have you, of people playing it, and mm. okay, yes, there is a little bit of the first-person um, hero shooter and what have you, Yeah, but it's a lot more sort of tactical, almost like a real-time strategy game, um, as opposed to it just being first-person shooter. It's more like a MOBA. Yeah, it's it's more like a mo- like the, the not so much in like the campaign. The campaign's just you know co-op campaigns, mm-hmm. kind of funny, uh, quite Borderlands esque. Um, but in in, a, the, the, in the same way that you have in the multiplayer, you sort of like every time you start a level, you start you pick a character and you start from level zero, like you do in a MOBA. Yeah. And then as you do well through the, the, the single player campaign or the multiplayer match, you'll level up and then like you bring up a menu and sw- change, uh, choose between like two or three uh, different power ups, so like upgrades for that level. Uh, and then next game you play, you restart from zero again. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can like apply gear to your characters that will make very, very small changes and very, very small buffs, kind of like in a MOBA as well. Um, and most of the multiplayer modes are quite mobresque. So there's one called Meltdown, which seems to be the most popular um, of the half a dozen people out there still playing it on PS4. Because it feels there's like there's no one playing. It takes so long to get into a match. Yeah. Um, the mode called Meltdown is uh, there's a giant robot overlord called Minrek, uh, and you have to appease him by escorting some robot minions to these um, sacrificial metal churner things mm-hmm. with like a tiki face on them. Um, <laughs> and you're, you've got to uh, escort all yours to the the, um, the ones on the enemy's side and stop them from escorting theirs to the ones on your side um, mm-hmm. until you reach a score point. It's like, that's kind of... Moberish, um, and there's, a, there's yeah. another mode where you're escorting minions to destroy a big robot on the other team's side, and vice versa, which again is a, quite Moberesque. Um, so it is very different from Overwatch. It just it just came out at the wrong time. Uh, it wasn't yeah. marketed right. Um, Randy Pitchford did not explain it very well when he went on multiple Twitter tirades, and the fact that it came out at full price with a season pass and microtransactions uh, yeah. whereas Overwatch came out at full price with the promise of all future DLC being free mm-hmm. um, plus uh, you know Overwatch was made by Blizzard uh, and yeah, yeah. how to compete there <laughs> yeah. yeah and the characters in Overwatch are more memorable than any of the characters in uh, Battleborn the characters in Battleborn mm-hmm. are fun uh, they're interesting. They're they're very varied. Um, uh, they, yeah, it's just it's it's a bit of a shame. It came out at the wrong time, I think. 
Uh, if it hadn't come out literally within a week or two of um, of Overwatch, I think it could have done quite well because mm. I think Gearbox earned enough good. Um, uh, a lot of people, you know, like Gearbox uh, from the from uh, Borderlands, Borderlands Two, maybe not yeah. Alien, Corona yeah. Marines, but we won't talk about that one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's it's. I, I mean, if I was to turn it on on a weeknight, I probably wouldn't be able to find an online match. But at the weekend, there still seems to be people playing it, so I can still get in the odd game here and there. Mm. Um, and when I can't, then I can play the, the campaign. But so for seven quid. Um, I'm having yeah. a good time with it, but off the uh, off the back of that, I was like, I had dipped my toes sort of in the world of MOBAs a while ago uh, when I tried out Smite uh, on the PS4, mm-hmm. and I thought uh, I'm going to try that again um, because maybe maybe I'm just missing it, missing the point. But um, I didn't seem to. I didn't get on with Smite particularly well, but all the cool kids play MOBA, so I thought I'd try it out. Uh, so I downloaded Paragon, um, which uh, somehow I had access to, despite the fact that it's only in beta. I don't know whether it's open beta or not, but um, it's the MOBA. It's very much like Smite, as in it's like it's a MOBA designed to be played with a controller. Really, it's kind of like over the shoulder mm. third person, um, rather than sort of top down pointy clicky. Um, made by Epic Games. Um, it's very shiny. It's very nice looking. It's very well polished. Uh, and I don't understand it at all. <laughs> 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 like, uh, I jumped in, um, picked, looked through the characters, and like there were certain characters that were starred as like perfect for beginners. Um, so I worked my way through a few matches trying some of those out and still didn't understand. Like, it's... I don't know whether this is the same with other MOBAs, but there is a level of understanding that the game expects you to have um, without Mm -hmm. really explaining it to you, Um, especially when it comes to, like, terms. So I was looking at the characters, um, and you can see... It'll tell you whether they are easy, medium, or difficult to use, um, but then the rest of the terms don't really make any sense like uh tank tank makes sense that's fine i get mm-hmm. that and support mm-hmm. makes sense um i don't understand what makes a a, a character a ganker uh i don't know understand what makes a particular <laughs> character good at being in the jungle uh i don't even i didn't fully understand what the jungle was because i just i don't i don't really follow mobas at all so i don't understand these terms and it's like mm-hmm. maybe i've missed the boat a bit um so I've been doing uh, a little bit of research to actually learn what these terms are and <laughs> how you're supposed to play a MOBA. Uh, and after doing a little bit of research and, and chatting to, to you guys in the, the, the Twitter chat earlier, um, mm. decided to go with uh, Heroes of the Storm because apparently it is like, not only is it shorter than match times, so that was another problem mm. with Paragon, is the matches could last up to an hour and that's just too much. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, yeah, the matches are shorter in Heroes of the Storm. Uh, it's also apparently easy to get into. Um, it's more based on teamwork. So if you're not doing quite as well um, as some of the other players, it's less noticeable because your team as a whole earns XP rather than individual players. Yeah. Um, and it's full of recognizable characters that I know. It's full of characters from Overwatch and Diablo and uh, mm-hmm. Warcraft and whatnot. So and yep. Starcraft. Um so yeah, I've got that downloaded. Um uh, 
when we're finished up here, I'm going to load it up and have a little crack at it. But uh, <laughs> I am tentatively dipping my toes in the world of MOBAs. So, from a lapse gamer perspective, which which game are you going to recommend? Puyo Puyo Tetris. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually a little surprised at that. I thought you would have said Mario Kart 8. Well, you know, Mario Kart 8 is, it is the um, joint best karting game ever. Mm-hmm. Um, jointly with Mario Kart Double Dash. Uh, mm-hmm. on the, the GameCube because I got I just adored that game. Um <laughs> so if you want if you, you know if you like your karting games then that is the, it is the definitive version of one of the best karting games ever. Um and if mm-hmm. you've got a switch then you gotta pick it up. Uh, the attach yeah. rate's been ridiculous that apparently like something like forty five to fifty percent of Switch owners have picked up Mario Kart. So uh Yeah, I think I saw something on Twitter there the other day that basically said that the boxed version of Mario Kart eight deluxe mm-hmm. uh, was the best selling game in April. Yeah. Despite basically coming out three days before the end of April. <laughs> Something ridiculous like that. It's the uh it's the fastest selling game in that franchise's history. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> it's doing very well. It's a fantastic game, but but there's just something about if you like puzzle games, if you like Tetris, and if you've ever played Puyo Puyo or you're interested in playing it, Puyo Puyo Tetris is just so good and so Moorish, um, and just really great fun to play. Very good. So yeah, I'd recommend that. And it's available on so many platforms as well. Um, yeah, it's not just Switch owners that can actually get their hands on that one. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, uh, we will wrap up the show. Um, there hasn't been a huge amount of news this week. Um, one sort of little thing of note is the fact that the uh, Nintendo new 2DS XL has um, got a price point of £130. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my sort of vague um, sort of idea of what it might be, mm. um, purely because the new 3DS XL is sitting at about 180 and the 2DS then is sitting at about 80 So it's somewhere in between. Um mm. So, so for people who don't necessarily already have um, a, one of the uh, the new 3DSs or a 2DS, it's probably just about the right price. I'd um, say so, yeah. With, with, with the bigger screens and everything, and for people who aren't that bothered about having the 3D stereoscopic effect. Mm-hmm. And the I, I never never use it on, on, on mine. No. Yeah. I got, I got the, the 3D XL, but I like the screen size. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think the 3D does anything for me. It just drains the battery. If I've had the choice at the time, I, yeah. I, I would I would have bought the new uh, 2D version instead. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that it's going to be of a sort of a comparable spec to the 3DS XL as well um, says a lot. So it will be able to run all those exclusive games that have previously been locked purely to the new 3DS. Well, all two of them. Were, yeah, well, there is there is some of the stuff on the um, eShop, this, I think. Yeah, there's like uh, the SNES stuff. Um, yeah, and there's, uh, I think, some of the Sega Classics and things, possibly. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. It's running at perfect pixels, only of, only possible on um, yeah. the new 3DS. And so, yeah. yeah, so it, it's nice to see that people um, still have access to that without necessarily spending the nearly £200 mm. um, to actually get hold of that console and things like that. But other than that, news has actually been quite quiet. Uh, so it's that pre-E3 sort of window. Um, yeah. Nothing will break until all the news leaks about a week before E3. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. 
So we will bring it to a close. Um, we usually do shout outs at this stage, Jonas, um, but you can go ahead and plug what you're doing. Yeah, uh, like mentioned before, we're doing uh, a game figment, uh, showing it everywhere right now. I'm actually going to Japan next week, Kyoto, to show Ooh, off wow. figment. Lucky shit. Uh, and we're sending one uh, another uh, from the company to Atlanta to Momocon the week after to uh, to show it off there where we're nominated uh, and planning on on going to more conventions before release so so hopefully if anybody out there you know is going to conventions uh, we will be at one of them Uh, Uh else we'll like just over the next couple of months more marketing people can see find more of the game and and you can go in and wishlist it on uh, uh, on Steam already, so yeah. you'll get the update when it's out. Uh, since I can't give a specific date yet, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, definitely keep your eye on that because it's it's, it's, it's we're nearing uh, we're nearing the release and uh, very much looking forward to to getting the game into people's hands. A lot of people have really been asking uh, when mm. it's coming out, when it's coming out. So no, that's um, from it, uh, from your perspective, that's very encouraging to hear um, that people are yeah. looking forward to it coming out. Um, which is very very nice. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it just uh, EGX spe- kind of getting that. Uh, Whoa, this is good. This is nice. I want to play this. It's so nice when I spent so many years in the game uh, as as the creative director of it. Like, yes, uh, my my crazy idea was not a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> a nice little bit of validation for you. Yeah. 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 So, Jonas, thank you very, very much for coming on. Um, mm. It has been an absolute pleasure talking to you and uh, just getting to hear a little bit more about the uh, the background of developing and things like that. It's something that we don't necessarily often hear in, um, on the podcast, but we're hoping to um, make a little bit of a difference um, there by having sort of more guests on and what have you. So, actually, you've been um, sort of one of the early guests um, in that respect. Um, but as I say, it has been lovely talking to you. Thank you very much. Mm. No problem. It was good fun. <laughs> yeah so goodbye Jonas and uh, goodbye Mark and uh, thank you very much for listening all and uh, goodbye ta bye